corner. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love North Central. I love PG. Wow. Come on, who was at PG last night? Yeah? Oh, man, I love PG. Okay, it is an absolute honor for me to be here today. I graduated NCU in 2019, which seems like that was forever ago now. And my time here was not only formative, but transformative. And I see many people here who have invested in my life, and I would not be who I am or where I am without you. My wife and six-month-old baby boy are also here, along with some of my family and friends. So thank you for your support. The question for you today is, have you ever had an encounter with God that changed your life forever? Have you ever had an encounter that put everything else into right perspective? During my time here at NCU, my final year, I had such an encounter, not in chapel, not in PG, even though I have had such encounters in those settings as well, but in my Orfield apartment. An ordinary night with my roommate in the living room of our Orfield apartment, we had an ache in our hearts to worship and pray. And as I laid prostrate in surrender, everything changed. In a moment, I saw a vision in my mind. And in this vision, I was walking on a gravel road. And after a short while, Jesus himself began walking beside me as if we were on the road to Emmaus. And as we walked on the path, portals suddenly appeared next to the path. As I peered into each portal one by one, I saw moments from my past being replayed. And these moments were not moments of success. These moments were moments of sin, failure, shame, and guilt. Moments such as the first time I ever viewed pornography as an early teen. Moments that marked my life forever. And I began to repent and confess and kneel down before the Lord there on the gravel path. And yet, as these moments replayed, I began to see where Jesus was in every single one. He was always right there. Then suddenly the portals disappeared and I was left alone at the end of the path. But when my gaze lifted, I saw a bloody and beaten Jesus with a crown of thorns on his head, with his hands and his feet nailed to the cross. And in this moment of sacrifice, with his arms stretched wide, he looked at me with love in his eyes and said, I did this for you. I did this for you. And like a rushing river, I felt love, forgiveness, freedom, and new life flow through my life. All remains of shame and guilt from my past were washed away, and finally the scene shifted once more again. I found myself at the bottom of a valley, and as I looked up, I saw again an an, uh, army of heaven. And down came an angel with dazzling armor walking down the valley towards me, and I subconsciously knew to kneel. He drew his sword out, put it on my shoulder, and said, you've been called by the sword. Honor the Lord with your life. Then, as quickly as it came, the vision ended. I was left changed, and I wanted nothing more 
after that than to bring him glory and to express my overwhelming gratitude to him. Have you ever had an encounter with God that changed your life forever and put everything else into right perspective? If you haven't had such an encounter yet, I pray that God would give you one. Let us pray. Jesus, we come before you today recognizing, God, that you are holy and worthy and good. And I pray, Jesus, that wherever we are today in our walk with you, that we would have a revelation today that would mark us, that we would see you as the one who gave up everything for us. And in return, out of an overwhelming gratitude and joy, we'd have nothing else, we'd want nothing else than to give our lives back to you. Would you do a mighty work in us today? Everybody said, amen, amen. If you want a sermon title today, here it is. Five elements of an unconditional yes. Five elements of an unconditional yes. You see in scripture, there are what are termed call narratives. There are individuals all throughout scripture who were chosen and called by God and each had an encounter with God that changed them forever. And biblical scholarship has shown that these call narratives reflect similar patterns and themes. From the call experiences of Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, Amos, Ezekiel, Peter, and Isaiah all have fascinating similarities. There are several different themes, but today we will focus on five elements of an unconditional yes. I call these the five C's. Clarity, conviction, confession, cleansing, and commissioning. Clarity, conviction, confession, cleansing, and commissioning. To analyze this ourselves, let us turn to the life of Isaiah. Now, before we jump into the text, as I was preparing for this message, I learned that Dr. Williams preached on the call of Isaiah before break. I listened to his message, and it is full of gold. And if you weren't at chapel that day, you should go back and listen to it. But even so, I strongly sensed God's direction to focus on the passage once again. So I pray God would help us to build on the foundation that's already been laid. Indeed, I believe God is trying to get our attention. Let us turn to Isaiah 6. The passage opens up with a precise date in the year that King Uzziah died, grounding the vision in a specific historical context. The death of King Uzziah marked a critical period in Isaiah's, in Israel's history, a time of political transition and uncertainty, very much like our own. And against this backdrop, Isaiah encounters a transcendent vision that changes him forever. In the NASB, it's written, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a lofty, on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. With two each covered his face, with two each covered his feet, and with two each flew. And one called out to one another. I actually invite you, instead of reading along, I invite you to close your eyes and actually envision this in your own mind. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies, The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called. 
while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Isaiah said, Woe to me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and atonement is made for your sins. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. You can open your eyes. First, clarity. We must see God clearly. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Not only is the Lord described as holy, but the angels and seraphim continue to declare and worship holy, holy, holy. And this triple repetition of holy emphasizes the incomparable purity and otherness of God. With no other characteristic is this triple repetition used. Nowhere in scripture is God worshiped as love, 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 or even eternal, eternal, eternal. This triple repetition is also recorded in John's revelation where he sees the throne of God and the angels around the throne in Revelation 4.8, declaring night and day without ceasing, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In the book of Isaiah alone, God is called holy 30 times as Isaiah is the one that loves to especially speak of the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah had an encounter with God that brought clarity. He saw God as holy. Do you? When Isaiah encountered the Lord, he was struck with a holy fear. And in the church, we focus heavily on the love and grace of God, and that's understandable because God's love and grace should be understood and encountered at great measure. The love of the Lord is essential, but in our understanding of God as love, let us not neglect and push aside a proper view of God's holiness. As we look around the world at leaders in the church who have fallen, we must ask ourselves why. There are many reasons we can contemplate, and as aspiring leaders, we should contemplate hard. But it is clear these leaders have drifted into a ditch of lawlessness, and seeing God as holy would have done them much good. The love of God and the fear of God are essential They are two sides of the same coin. When you are in the presence of God, I hope you encounter his love. Please hear me. I hope you encounter his love. But do you also recognize his greatness? Do you see him as completely other than or as incomparable to yourself? Do you recognize him as the son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire and whose feet are like polished bronze? Revelation 2.18. Do you see God as holy? Do you see him clearly? First, clarity. Second, conviction. Isaiah's response to this awe-inspiring vision was a profound awareness of his own unworthiness in sin. He proclaimed, woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The NLT says, I am doomed. ESV proclaims, I am lost. KJV declares, I am undone. And this Hebrew word, dama, 
is a word that is meant to describe someone who is destroyed or who ceases to exist. Someone who is utterly undone. From the place of clarity, conviction occurs. When we see God clearly, and when we see ourselves clearly in comparison to the holiness of God, we fall to our face. Have you ever, like Isaiah, come to a place of humble conviction? Peter, during his call narrative in Luke 5, 8, fell to his knees before Jesus and declared the message translation describes Peter's declaration, Master, leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. Here's the problem. When we compare ourselves to those around us, we can always find someone who's worse. We think I'm good because at least I'm not as bad as that person. We think through selective comparison that we are okay. But through selective comparison, you can always make yourself better. However, you can always make yourself feel better. However, what happens when you compare yourself to the holiness of God? What happens when you compare yourself to the sinless, spotless lamb of God? How do you hold up then? Do you have jealousy, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, immorality, selfish ambition, hatred, greed, or envy in your heart? How do you compare? First, clarity. Second, conviction. Third, confession. What are we to do? In Revelation 3, Jesus, the one whose hair is white like wool and eyes like flames of fire, spoke clearly to the church in Laodicea. In verse 19, in verse 19, you can skip ahead to verse 19. In Revelation 3, verse 19, he declares, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Like Isaiah, clarity leads to conviction, and conviction must lead to confession. We bring ourselves fully before the Lord, and we surrender all we are at his feet. We humbly recognize the state we are in, in ruin, and we cry out to the Lord for salvation and forgiveness. As we see God clearly, conviction comes. But we must all make the choice whether we will humble ourselves to a place of confession or not. Clarity, conviction, confession, cleansing. Thank God the Lord does not leave us to ourselves. Jesus responds to Peter and declares, There is nothing to fear. Their seraphim responded by purifying Isaiah, symbolically cleansing his lips with a live coal from the altar. Not only does this address Isaiah's specific concern about his unclean lips, but also signified the removal of sin and the consecration of the prophet for his divine commission. This is a symbol of what is available to us today. Isaiah, the one who prophesied the coming of the suffering servant, the, spot, the perfect spotless lamb of God who suffered for our sake so we could be cleansed, forgiven, set free, and given new life. 
Isaiah moved from clarity to conviction to confession to cleansing. When we confess, Christ is faithful to forgive us and set us free. 1 John 1.9 declares if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I encourage you, if you need to confess today, there is nothing to fear. The Lord desires our humility, but as we come before him, he is faithful to make us new. Clarity, conviction, confession, cleansing, and finally, commissioning. From the place of cleansing, from being made new, the voice of the Lord echoed in Isaiah's ears. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, my roommate, he's going to be a missionary. He's going to go. Wait, no. Isaiah, without even knowing the assignment, proclaimed, here am I. Pick me. Send me. I am willing. Leopold, in the exposition of Isaiah, states, after the vision, Isaiah is no longer the man he was. He feels this keenly, so much so that when the Lord's question is addressed to no one in particular, do you see that? The Lord did not say, will you, Isaiah, go? The Lord says, who will go? The question was not given to Isaiah directly. It echoed in Isaiah's ears. It was addressed to no one in particular, but largely in a sense, a call for volunteers who will go in perfect freedom and without a trace of unwholesome compulsion. Isaiah responds with joy. Listen, offering himself without reservations of any kind. Then he gets his commission, go and say, From a place of cleansing, one's heart is full of gratitude and the only natural response is to volunteer. Instead of being coerced into being sent, whether near or far, you desire beyond anything else to glorify him with your whole life. Worship live, you can come forward. What did Isaiah volunteer for? Anything, anywhere, anytime. Let us be clear, it is God's mission and not your own, and he is looking for those like Isaiah who offer themselves up without reservations of any kind. When you say, here I am, send me, you are offering yourself in surrender and submission. One must declare, God, anything you ask me to do, anywhere you ask me to go, and anytime you ask me to do it, here am I. The Lord gave Isaiah a challenging message to proclaim to the people of Israel, and God is likely going to ask you to do tough things. Here am I, anything. Here am I, Lord, anywhere. Here am I, anytime. With perfect freedom and without a trace of unwholesome compulsion, but full of gratitude and joy, here am I. Send me. Before the Lord even paves your path and makes it clear to you the steps you should take, you must preemptively make a decision. Will you say yes or not? When you choose to follow Christ, your life should become a resounding and unconditional yes. Surrender your professional dreams and switch careers. Go to a foreign land and serve amongst unreached people groups. 
sacrificially give on behalf of the oppressed anything, anywhere, anytime. Whether it's business, ministry, social work, medicine, missions, or sports, God is looking for those who offer themselves without reservations of any kind. When will the gospel again become what it once was? Foolish and dangerous, yes, but wholly worth our everything. Clarity, conviction, confession, cleansing, commissioning. Here am I, send me. Have you ever had an encounter with the Lord that put everything else into right perspective? When we see him clearly, when we see ourselves clearly, it brings us to a place of conviction. You have a choice. Will that conviction lead you to a place of confession? From the place of confession, Jesus can do what only he can do. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness and make us clean. From the place of confession, commissioning occurs, but not out of reservation or compulsion, out of freedom and joy. For those overwhelmed with sin and guilt, I pray you encounter the grace of God like I did in my Orfield apartment. For those who are proud and self-righteous, I pray for God's holiness to bring you to a place of humble confession. For those serving God out of compulsion, I pray you move forward with overwhelming gratitude and joy. For those afraid to be used by God, I pray you see Jesus as worthy of your unconditional surrender. Ultimately, I pray that God would raise Isaiah's out of this university and out of this generation who, full of freedom and new life, surrender themselves unconditionally to the mission of God with joy in their hearts. I invite you today, with the time that we have left, to respond to God, to come forward, to surrender your life again to encounter God for yourself, to lay yourself bare before him, to join with the chorus of heaven declaring holy, and to volunteer like Isaiah. I'm going to ask Worship Live to continue to play and to lead us into worship as they feel led by the Spirit. And I'm going to pray, and I invite you to respond as you feel led. Come and see God clearly. Worship him as holy. Surrender yourself to him. Jesus, we love you. We praise you in this place, and we respond Before you are holy, holy, holy. You are worthy, worthy, worthy. We come before you, God, for we see you clearly. And God, we thank you that you have come to set us free from ourselves. God, that you have made us new. And in this place of freedom, we lay our lives down again. I pray, God, that you would rise up Isaiah's out of this university, out of this generation who lay their lives down again in unconditional surrender with their yes. We give you these next few minutes, Lord. Would you move and would we encounter you anew? In Jesus' name, you may come, respond how you feel led by the Lord, but don't be in a rush. If you have time, stay, pray, kneel, lay prostrate on the ground and surrender again to Jesus. Thanks again.